All right, we are back with the 125th edition of the Quarantine Cast. I'm actually really, really excited for this one. I will be joined by Jordan Levitt, who had an uh, incredible debut, 22-second KO um, slam, which uh, we don't see uh, very often anymore. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to uh, invite him on. Hey, how's it going? Going well. How are you doing? Not too bad. Uh, first things first, man. Uh, how are you doing? How are, uh, how's your holiday uh, going so far? Um, the holidays have been really cool. It's been nice to have the first month of this, the first part of like December was super exhilarating, a lot of different emotions, excitement. It's been nice to have a very low key, you know, holiday back home with my wife and just got to getting, uh, just getting the chill. Any, uh, any big plans for tonight? Uh, it's New Year's Eve. Uh, do you have anything crazy going on? Or are you just going to stay home? I'm just going to stay home. Um, my wife and one of her friends are probably going to watch The Bachelor, and I'll probably begrudgingly be there. I'll probably have some hot chocolate and just relax. Nice, just relaxing. I, well, I'm done with the excitement for the year. I just want to have a nice little snooze fest of the last day of 2020. <laughs> I like that, uh, especially with the way 2020 has been for a lot of people. I think that's uh, how most of us are going to spend it. I'm in very much the same boat. I'm going to sit down and watch a hockey game and just uh, hopefully uh, call it an early night. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> how does it uh, how does it feel to be a UFC fighter, man? I'm, I'm sure uh, you've been asked that a lot, um, but now you actually have a win. Um, a lot of people say it doesn't really feel like I'm part of the UFC until I have that win. You have a win. How does it feel to be part of the roster? Well, honestly, I was the, I'm on the same boat. I was like, I'm not really a fighter until I go there and I win my debut. So, the my fight was quite anticlimactic, actually. I trained super hard as my first real fight camp i lifted weights for the first time i was picking my sparring partners very carefully put all this meticulous work into my camp and then i win by slam so it's a little anticlimactic so i'm not sure if i still if i feel like a ufc fighter yet i mean i have the check mark by my name and got the paycheck and everything but it still hasn't really settled in yet that i'm a ufc fighter i guess i have to really be in a fight but um but yeah it's it's weird to have like your it's surreal to have your dream kind of come true and for it to happen in a very like perfect picture perfect way so a lot of good emotions do you feel like part of the reason why it doesn't feel like that is the lack of the audience i mean when you think about the ufc you think about sold out venues fifty-five thousand people in arenas and you go out there in your debut and there's no one there do you feel like that might be part of the reason as well that, that that definitely that for sure can be part of the reason um i'm used to fighting hometown kids like traveling and i'm used to the crowd booing me every fight i've had except for maybe my first amateur fight because all my friends went i've just been booed and like cussed out and I, I was the bad guy so when i walk into that quiet room and it's just literally you hear my coach you got this bubba you know like it's really hard to really feel like feel like I'm performing for all those people. When in reality, I probably you still have a worldwide, worldwide audience, still have thousands, perhaps millions of people watching at that time. So I definitely think the lack of a crowd, though it's good for me because no one boos me, it definitely makes it hard for me to like feel like, oh yeah, this is the UFC fighting experience. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I do want to talk about that debut because when you get matched up with a guy like Matt Wyman, who has uh, you know his legacy in the UFC, he's one of the he's been around for forever. I know he took some time off, and I think a lot of people 
uh, rule him out when they consider, you know, a true pioneer and lightweight. Uh, I think he's been around forever. Um, when you get matched up with a guy like that, someone you've watched on TV, someone you've almost looked up to, what was your initial reaction? I had some mixed emotions. I used to, I was a really big I was a big fan of Matt Wyman when I was like a freshman and a sophomore in high school. The way he drive for leg locks is like the way he would close distance with Superman punches and right hooks and leg kicks. He had like his tactics were were probably about like ten years ahead of where the sport is now. Of course, it wasn't as refined as we have now, but he was doing a lot of things that some fighters still struggle with. So, as a fan, it was very difficult to like fight Matt Wyman because I was a big fan of him and maybe kind of nervous because I'd never fought in someone like you have people with way less fights than Matt Wyman and be like, he's never, they're not going to show me anything I haven't seen before. And I'm like, will I really be able to show Matt Wyman anything he hasn't seen before? Um, so I had, I was, it was humbling and exhilarating and exciting and kind of intimidating to fight someone that you look up to that you like. So lots of mixed emotions, that's for sure. Does it make the win a little bit bittersweet? Because I could only imagine if I were to, uh, in the way you did it too. I mean, you knocked out someone that you, you looked up to, someone you were a fan of. Was it a little bit bittersweet? Like you almost feel bad celebrating? Yeah, it was very bitter. It was mostly just bitter. Um, I've never knocked out anybody before. I never removed someone from their consciousness. And I'm very lucky that the UFC went to, went to commercial break. I started to cry because I'm a boob. You know, and so it looks all silly because I'm not the one that's hurt, but my corner's all comforting me and I'm crying. So it was kind of a convoluted kind of emotional mess for me. But yeah, it, it was a little bitter. Was, I mean, it was sweet to get my UFC win, but bitter because I had to defeat someone I respect in that type of way, in that fashion. Yeah, for sure. I could. I mean, I, I can only imagine. I'm like, I'm a huge fan of Joe Lozon. Joe Lozon's ultimately the guy who, who got me into the sport. So I could only imagine if I were to finish a guy like that who I looked up to, how how that would feel. Um, when people were talking about candidates for knockout of the year, I feel like yours was left out. I mean, I left it out of my my ballots as well, and I, I don't know why. Like, do you, do you feel like it was overlooked? Because I mean, 22 second KO slam. You know, if anybody else did that, if that was a Rampage Jackson knockout, you know, people would be talking about it. Do you feel like yours was overlooked? Um, some part of me feels like I was a little overlooked, but I'm happy to be in the running for debut of the year, which I believe Jerry deserves, um, undoubtedly. But I think it's overlooked, but and there's already some people who think like the UFC trying to create a hype train when I detest hype trades. So I'm like, ah, give me as little attention as you want. I feel like one nomination is plenty. Would have been nice to have two. Yeah, for sure. And I do think it's a little overlooked. But, you know, there's so many fighters this year. It's been a rough year for all of us. So I'm happy to share the attention, the spotlight. And I think it's, I think it's totally fair. There are two types of people really uh, going into 2020. Those who kind of, when the pandemic hit, just kind of wrote the year off. Um, and those who made an opportunity uh, of it. I did that with myself. I, I started this podcast uh, out of boredom, but it kind of blossomed into something really, uh, really special. You were uh, a great example of that. I mean, you you went out there, you, you had four fights in 2020, and I think five in the calendar year, if you include the, the fight in December of last year. So so what was the mentality in 2020, or yeah, right at the beginning of 2020, uh, to, to stay busy. How, how did you how did you kind of come up with the uh, the idea of let's get as many fights as uh, 
as we can, and uh, it obviously worked out for you. Well, that's always been my attitude to try to be as active as possible. The problem was when I had so few fights, I had the hardest time finding opponents that wanted to sign to face me because they could see I had good grappling. They could see I beat people that had seemingly a much more diverse skill set than me. So I think people, a lot of opponents were waiting to see, okay, let's see where he is in these positions so we can make a game plan. But as I got, you know, three, four, five fights, people really couldn't say, well, there's not enough info about this guy. Yeah. So this year, I feel like I finally passed that precipice where it's like, it is worth the risk of fighting me as opposed to when I was like one and two and three and oh, fighting an unknown wasn't really worth the risk. So 2020 is just the year where it finally all started to mat. 2020 finally fell into place for me because my opponents were like, okay, this guy is like five and oh, maybe we should, it's worth the risk, you know, risk reward, risk reward type of scenario. So I've, I've always been ready. I'm always ready to hop right back into camp. I can make way on two weeks' notice anytime. So 2020 was just the year of jumping on opportunities. I've always been that type of fighter that was willing to jump into those opportunities. So a year later now, 2021, a lot's changed. I mean, before you were on the regional scene, just kind of hoping for an opportunity, hoping for fights, because like you said, no one was willing to fight you. Now you're in the UFC. Um, what's your mentality going into this year? I'm, first things first, I'm waiting for my daughter to get here. And after my daughter get here, I'm going to get that get situated because you never know how home life's going to be when an infant comes. So I'm going to get situated there. Then as soon as that's situated, I feel comfortable, you know, leaving home for a week or two. That's when we're all going to try to schedule a fight. So hopefully I'll be ready to go out there late March, early April. at the Maybe like that would be like the golden zone, the Goldilocks zone, I feel. So I just want to get as many fights in as possible next year, maybe four or five. Four or five would be perfect. Then I have enough money to buy a house and just move on to the next stage. But I, yeah, I just to, want to say I wanted to ask about that. I mean, fatherhood right around the right around the corner. Uh, that's the end of January, early February is when you're uh, expecting, right? Yes. So are you uh, what are the emotions? Are you excited? Are you nervous? What, how are you feeling? I've, all, I've always wanted to be a dad, so I'm really excited, not really nervous. I feel like I've always tried to live my life in a certain way that I have nothing to be ashamed of when I met, met my children and when I raised them. I've always tried to build like those fatherly qualities. So I feel like I've been preparing for this for like my whole life, and I feel like I'm really I feel very ready for it. But of course, a lot of people feel ready, and then the baby gets here. But I'm just excited. I feel like a sense of purpose and belonging to the whole idea of being a father I'm I can't wait I know this is probably a two three four years down the road but uh, have you thought of maybe introducing them into the sport uh, and getting them involved in mixed martial arts definitely grappling um <laughs> I teach I teach children's jiu-jitsu at syndicate and sometimes the four and five rules I kind of melt my heart sometimes they're they're heinous because children at that age are heinous a lot of the times but I, you know, sometimes when I see a little kid who can barely do a somersault, can't run in a straight line, when I see them, it kind of melts my heart, makes me excited to possibly see my kids out there. But this is a very, you know, this can be a brutal sport, depending on the type of fighter you try to be. And it would be really cool to, after I retire to maybe like mentor my children into this sport. I wouldn't turn them away from it, but I definitely don't feel like this is a sport you should push somebody into. 
because there's going to be a lot of heartbreak. There can be injuries and downs. It's a roller coaster. But um, if they want to follow my footsteps, they will get no arguments from me. Um, there's a great example of a father-daughter bond right there in Syndicate. Um, someone following in their father's footsteps in Bellamere. What's it like seeing her uh, both grow and seeing her really blossom in 2020? She was one of the standout performers. I think I had her as uh, number three or number four ranked uh, breakout star of the year, like rookie of the year. I mean, she's 17. She had she went two and zero. Um, she did very, very well. So what's it like seeing, um, seeing her uh, development? It's, really, it's been really special to see. You, our sport is so young that we don't really have – we haven't really get the, gotten to see that dynamic very often between parent-athlete and then child-athlete. Yeah. But, like, even just watching Bella's first fight and you hear her dad look in the corner, it's like, this is what you love to do. This is what you've been waiting for. It kind of gets you all choked up. You know, I can't imagine how he felt. You know, or how she felt, but it's really, it's really special to kind of see like the family affair thing coming into MMA, and to see her grow because she's so young. When you're that young, you improve so quickly and so consistently. But yeah, the sky's the limit for her. It's been super exciting to watch not only have one fight this year, but get two. So 2020 has been a really good year for her. Yeah, I mean, even like the growth she had from the first fight to the second was was so drastic. I mean, she weathered an early storm in that first fight, but she dominated that second fight, um, which I thought was really, really impressive. Um, and I think it's just a testament to how great uh, the coach there, John Wood, and, and Syndicate MMA is as a whole. And I kind of want to talk about Syndicate because they kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people when they were uh, ranking gyms and, and, uh, and whatnot. But I thought Syndicate had a great year as well. Um, so what's the secret there at Syndicate? I think the secret to syndicate cannot really be reduced down to like one thing we do or one coach or one athlete. I think the atmosphere at syndicate is something that a lot of athletes when they visit comment on. And John Wood is definitely a really big part of that. He's a coach that he'll never try to fit you into a mold. He kind of says, this is what I like to do. And then if that's something that can apply to you, He'll help you with that, but he never tries to force you to grow a certain way. And that's very special to someone like me, who I'm very unorthodox, but Wood would just basically be like, okay, so we're going to learn these basic things. So you have these in your toolbox, but he never tried to change me into a different type of fighter. He never tries to change anybody. If you're awkward, he lets you stay awkward. If you're like a muscle head type of fighter, he lets you stay a muscle head. He just tries to help you grow the way you're supposed to grow. And a lot of coaches lack that ability. So John Wood definitely, you know, I can't I can't reduce it down to like one thing he does, but he's done a very good job at building an atmosphere at a gym which feels welcoming and fosters growth among the fighters. I want to talk a little bit about that, about um, not just your fighting style, but your, but your character. And I feel like one thing you and, and some of the other people at Syndicate, especially Roxanne, um, the thing that stands out most is positivity. And I think right now in the sport of MMA, people are like people gravitate towards negativity or people who are angry, like the Diaz brothers or Colby or so on and so forth. How do you stay positive, and how do you like keep that that attitude of just of just being positive all the time? I think it's it's rare, especially in this sport. And uh, what is it about uh, people there at Syndicate that that really keep them positive in in a negative sport almost? 
I think it's very easy to keep a positive um, attitude at Syndicate, especially because Roxanne is one of only two people there that have been there longer than I than I have, and I've been there for eight years. So, and in, in the fight game, a lot of fighters are moving in and out, traveling the world. You miss out on family moments. You get to really traumatic sport for a lot of people. You make a lot of sacrifices, and I feel like that pain can make someone bitter, um, and just like. It, it, it causes a lot of anger and negativity to grow in you because things definitely don't go your way a hundred percent of the time. But at syndicate, you know, we've been very lucky that we have a bunch of people who have a positive outlook on things. And we just, we're very aware of that. And wood will constantly every, every time after practice, like this force full of downs, 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 and then one up and then downs, you know, and we have Roxy, who's very positive. She's really big light at our gym. A very great role model for younger fighters like myself, especially when I was 18, 19, just starting there. I, when I first started watching MMA, I thought I would have to play a character that wasn't like genuine to who I was. I thought I'd have to be like this tough alpha male type person. And maybe some a millennial and our generation's a little bit more forgiving of, of being eccentric and everything. But... When I saw Roxanne weighing in and cosplay and how she'll never cuss in interviews, now she doesn't do trash talk, it gave me a lot of hope in that I could stay this positive. Um, I guess I could continue to be this positive person and not try to act like this tough jerk. Because I'm not. I find, I believe I have a really good attitude about life. I'm very positive. I don't bring animosity into this sport. It's just a fist fight. We don't have to hate each other to get in the fist fight. If you had brothers or best friends and you haven't beat them up, even beat each other up inside the lawn, I mean, that's how I grew up. Fist fights don't have to be this hateful thing. And Syndicate, we're very positive. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and I mean, I think a lot of people overlook it. Uh, Roxanne, I mean, she's done so much for the sport. Um, she's a true pioneer. And uh, I mean, I, I really like her. I think she's. Um, her, her personality is really, really special in this sport. Uh, there's not a lot of people like her. John Dodson's another great example. Um, people who just themselves, doesn't really matter what people think. And uh, it's nice to see, it really is. Um, I'd like to ask about the, the celebration afterwards. I mean, I think a lot of people were talking about that. There was pictures everywhere, there's memes. Um, how long did you plan that? Is that something you've been planning for a while? Like I'm gonna do the dirty dancing scene when I win or was that just spontaneous? So I'm one of those people that like, when you, when you have friends, you like shoot the crap and you're like, it'd be funny if you did this. And then like people usually move on from that. And like, as I get a joke, I'm like, what if I just did the dirty dancing lift after, after I win? Like, that would be hilarious, man. But like, I was thinking about it. Like I was up at night and I'm like, what if I do that? So like one day I practice, I'm like, look at my teammate Gerard. I'm like, Hey, you seen Dirty Dancing? He's like, I mean, yeah, I guess. I'm like, you know the lift? Yeah. So we tried that a few times. If you look back on Instagram, maybe two months ago, there's me and Sherrard trying to do it. And then we were backstage for my fight. And I was there for like four hours early because they, I was on the preliminary card, but then I moved up to the first fight on the main card last minute. So we were there forever. And we are getting bored. And I'm like, yo, Chris, let's practice this Dirty Dancing lift. And I can't imagine what the security guy that was like assigned to our corner was thinking because it was all jokes. We practiced a lift for like 25 minutes and then I stretched. We warmed up. We did Mitch for like five, five minutes tops. And then I went out there and fought. 
But yeah, we were practicing that. You know, we, we practiced that for like 20 minutes before the fight. And I still was not sure if I wanted to do it after the slam. But then after Matt started to wake up and they announced it, I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Let's do it. And we, you know, and I don't regret it. It, it, it was I definitely <laughs> one of the highlights of my year. That was that was pretty funny for me. Do you plan on mixing it up next time? Maybe doing like a, a scene of this from, from the Titanic or something else? Or are you just going to stick with that one? Ooh, that'd be a good one. I'm flying. I, I could do something like I want to. The split will always be there. But, you know, one time I twerked, you know, I just. You know, when you do the splits, like, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of, I got that thick dad bod type of build. So I, I kind of jiggle when I get out of the splits. I'm not sure if it's really a twerk. But, you know, I've done a bow. I've done the splits. Yeah, I, I try to the split and then I'll do something different. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll copy Valentina's victory dance. I'll show her up. Who knows? I like that. I like that. Um, you could do the GSP role too, like the, the, the um, breakdancing role. Ooh, I could do that. I've done that before. Yeah, I'll, I'll just like mimic. I'm like ditto, you know. I'll like mimic all these other fighters' things. <laughs> I like that. Um, I'll ask you one last question, and then I'll uh, I'll let you go. There's a big fight, title fight coming up in January. It is in your weight class, so I couldn't go without asking. One of the, uh, I think, the most famous uh, mixed martial artists to ever compete inside the octagon, Conor McGregor, is returning facing Dustin Poirier. Um, do you have a prediction for that fight? Um, if it makes it out of the first round, I think Dustin Poirier all day. I believe I believe the diamond. He's just gritty, tough, well-rounded. There's no quit in him, especially at 155. Um, Connor can knock him out. I feel like that's very easy to see. Connor's been working on his boxing a lot, preparing for the Pacquiao fight. So I think Connor might be coming into this fight maybe a little overconfident because of the way he easily dispatched Poirier. But Poirier is definitely a different animal when he's not sucked up to make 45. And I think it was a bad move on his part to make the fight at 170. So I'm pulling for Poirier. But, you know, never can count out McGregor. He, you know, he's a star. And stars find ways to pull things out. So I love it. Um, do you have any sponsors or uh, anybody you'd like to plug or, or even your social media before we, uh, before we end this? The main sponsor like the Vegas is So Right, because So Right's awesome. It helps keep me like loose and not like I feel like crap all the time. So Right definitely helps me feel loose and healthy during this sport. I want to thank Iridium, my management team. They're they're the best in the world. And then Syndicate MMA. Like I can't do it without them. And if you want to follow me at on social media, you could follow me at Monkey King UFC at on Instagram and Mr. Jojo Monkey King on Twitter. All right, thank you very much for the time, man. I appreciate it. I uh, especially New Year's Eve. I mean, there's so many other things you could be doing, and you're, you're sitting here talking to me. So I, I appreciate it. All the best. All the best next month with uh, with the newborn, and uh, can't wait to see you back out there. All right, thank you very much. It was nice talking to you. All right, man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. There you go, Jordan Levitt. I've been a fan of his for a very long time. Um, breakout star of 2020. Um, if you haven't yet, be sure to. Uh, like all my stuff. Uh, and uh, yeah, check out fighterpath.com. Brand new, up and running now. Got everything on there. So like, comment, and subscribe, and I'll see you guys next.